Better all those up, Swindon fans. But you're not there yet. In it goes! Oh, it's gone in! Richard left foot in! What a volley! It's the stuff of champions! It's the stuff of dreams! And Donate races it on goal, and Donate! 3-0! The Amex goes wild! What a goal! And now Murray could be in. Snake from Tompkins, what a goal from Glenn Murray, he's hardly had a touch. On he'll go, Michael Smith, into what he's Hello and welcome to another episode of Together, a Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. We are on episode 62. Um, we've had a busy week of football this week. Uh, lots going on. Uh, lots of sporting occasions going on, actually. Of course, we had the boxing going on this weekend. Uh, lots of good fights there. We've had uh, a whole host of different events going on with the cricket and uh, some NFL action for my American listeners. So we've had a lot going on this week. Uh, and to punctuate that with two Albion games uh, in the course of three or four days. Yeah, so let's get into it and cover it as best we can. So there's been a couple of things uh, going on in the first couple of days of the week, and that was Marco Silva uh, sacked at Everton. Big move to make for them. Probably been coming for, well, it has been coming for a few weeks now. I'm surprised it didn't happen before now. Um, but he is gone. He has been let go. Uh, Watford, still without a manager um, for the midweek games and has been without the manager uh, for the last week or so. Um, and most importantly for us, Lundberg was still in charge at Arsenal uh, when we travelled over to the Emirates. So um, I half wonder if they hoped he would do an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, give them a bounce um, until they can find someone else at the end of the season. Um, however, this doesn't look like it's going to happen, right? Um, after that performance on the weekend, uh, well, on Thursday, rather, not good. They play West Ham tomorrow or today, if, if you're listening to it on the Monday, which you probably are. Um, Watford, of course, appointed Nigel Pearson as boss. Uh, didn't really have much to do uh, this weekend against Palace that they took a point from um, because he's barely been there 24 hours. But Nigel Pearson back in the management game. Um well, in the English management game, I believe it was in Belgium for two years. Uh, so Silva gone, Duncan Ferguson stepped up. Uh, Watford bring in Nigel Pearson. Lumberg continues his uh, campaign at Arsenal. Not for long, I expect. And uh, yeah, been a lot of been a lot of moving parts this week for for manager go merry go rounds um, and all that good stuff. So as noted last week, Arsenal unbeaten at home this year having never lost to Albion on their home turf in the league in their entire history. The stage was set for Freddie Lundberg, who I was quite a big fan of back in his playing days, honestly, because it was the Invincibles. Um, Albion were nowhere near the Premier League, and I just I loved Thierry Henry. I loved Bergkamp. I loved Lundberg. I thought they were so great to watch. Uh, so I was, I was a big kind of fan secondary fan of them uh if i had to watch a premier league team I, I was i was happy to watch the invincibles so lundberg has always been a nice guy i've always liked him um and it, the stage was set for him to rally his boys to a thumping victory uh in front of the arsenal faithful at the emirates not that there were many there by all accounts um but standing opposite him is a man that gave the emirates a nightmare night 
uh, as he brought over his Swedish underdogs, Ostersunds, a couple of years ago to the Emirates on a Thursday uh, and shocked the world with a 2-1 win for the Swedish lads. Uh, Potter has been there. Potter has done that. Potter has got the T-shirt. Could Lightning strike twice? They say Lightning never strikes twice in the same place. Well, this time it did, and it struck in abundance. Um, this is not a game that we can come out of feeling lucky about. Uh, Albion were not on an upswing of form. We'd lost our last three in a row. Uh, Albion were not going into this with a with a great away record. You know, this is a team that aren't traditionally very good away. Um, we've had an incredibly tough run of away games this year uh, under Potter. And with Hewton, we're traditionally just playing not to lose. So we aren't exactly a prolific away side. Um, and Arsenal hadn't lost at home in the league this season. So no excuses from Arsenal fans, no excuses from analysts and pundits, uh, because it's all I've seen um, in the last four days on papers and websites, uh, just all about the excuses given for Arsenal's defeat um, and very little for us when, in fact, the better team won. Um, and not only did the better team win, um, from a fan's point of view, the stats wholeheartedly back it up. Uh, so there was a there was an image I retweeted uh, on Thursday night or Friday morning uh, regarding XG. Um, Albion Analytics, my guest a couple of weeks ago, has summarized really well for you all, I hope, uh, what that means. So we uh, we had a 1.8 XG to their 1.2. We created the better chances by far on their home turf. 50.8% uh, possession at the end of the game to the uh, obviously 49, 82% uh, pass accuracy, 23 aerial duels, one to their 11, um, nine corners each. Uh, and I was delighted to see Gross back on those corners, um, far overdue. And despite how well uh, Aaron Moy plays and played, um, I feel Gross is the far better set piece player. Um, we're going to talk about that in the Wolves review coming up. Uh, but I think that Pascal Gross is by far and away the better set-piece player, um, and I think we suffer having to have Moy be that man. Um, and I would quite like them to try somebody else out if we don't have Gross or Trossard on the pitch. Uh, he had a 56% pass accuracy from corners. Uh, that's insane. Uh, when you compare that to, you know, I think Meza Ertzil was on most of their corners, and he managed 22%. Uh, we had 20 shots to their 12. 20 20 shots. Brighton and Albion had 20 shots at the Emirates to their 12. We had nine shots on target to their five. We almost had as many shots on target as they had shots at all. Um, and one thing that I really feel stands out when I was looking at it all this weekend uh, was the offside count. So as we all know, Glenn Murray used to be an absolute offside machine, especially away from home. Um, we played a very direct long ball style. Uh, even at home we did it, but especially away from home, we played a very long ball, direct style, to a very isolated and very much struggling Glenn Murray. Uh, he did the best he could every single time. He won a lot of fouls every week, but he was not built to be able to do that consistently at this level at his age. Um, and he was quite often found offside, uh, but against Arsenal, we had zero offside calls. Zero. We were not offside once. Um, the dynamic uh, and technically excellent midfield of Gross, Proper, Moy and Stevens reduces the need for the long balls. Um, you can see that. We don't need to do that. We, we have the hopeful passes, the half-hearted lobs. We don't need any of them anymore. Um, we have a team that are very comfortable playing along the ground, very comfortable moving forward with the ball. Even Dale Stevens is comfortable moving with the ball. Um, Arsenal, on the other hand, seven. 
seven offsides, including the goal that they had ruled out, uh, quite obviously. I understand that the rule is that um, linesmen shouldn't flag if a goal has been scored, if they think it's close, uh, but that wasn't close at all, was it? It was like four or five yards offside, and I think there was about four of them that were all offside, but it is what it is. VAR came in and did their job, rightly ruled out offside. Um, but then... You know, it, it makes sense, these offside calls, because when you look even deeper, uh, over 80% of their long balls that they played were from their own defensive third. So we ended up causing Arsenal to play a long ball, direct, hopeful game at their own place. It's just unbelievable. Um, we pressed them high. We did such a good job of nullifying the pace and danger that Aubameyang and Lacazette represent. They're still two of the best players in the world. You know, we we can't discount how good this team is that we're playing. We have Meza Ertzel. We have Alexander Lacazette. We have Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. We have uh, Hector Bellerin, Torreira. Like, these are all really, really good players. Um, and we tactically outclassed them and then we went on the pitch and beat them pound for pound as well um our decision to play so narrowly as well also helped massively uh the commentators uh, on nbc sports were criticizing it they said that it was going to be a reason we, we were going to concede um but actually if you look at it it was really more of a big part of the puzzle uh, a big piece of the puzzle rather um that got us the win uh, we allowed their fullbacks to come forward, uh, knowing that we were so dominant in the air and that we had excellent defenders out wide to cover them. So we had a constant counter-attacking threat. Um, every time they came forward and we won the ball back, they pooped their pants and had to make it back. And whenever they whipped the ball in high, they, they, they didn't do anything. Um, they had that one corner, of course, that they scored from, which was incredibly unlucky for us. But uh, at, the end of the time, at the end of the day, we keep conceding corners and keep conceding from corners so uh, I say it's unlucky but we need to stop doing it so consistently right so I thought we were absolutely sublime we played it to an absolute t uh, and Potter must love playing at the Emirates because that's another win for him uh, and that is Arsenal's unbeaten home record gone in a puff of dust um, looking at the players individually, there's a lot of them to talk about, but mainly it has to be our midfield, I think. So, first of all, Aaron Moy was a monster. Um, he came back into the side, uh, and we looked to have a very te technically gifted, um, if slow, midfield. Um, his ability to immediately face forwards changed the game for us. He did it again today against Wolves. Um, you also have Proper, who really played very well. You had Gross that was almost everywhere. Um, it was a masterclass of outclassing in the middle of the park. Uh, I said last week that was going to be a place that we needed to win our battles um, and taking out that middle of the park in the way we did, it was incredible. Um, you know, we can we can talk about all of them, but Moy especially, uh, three shots, three key passes, 82% pass accuracy, four successful dribbles. Um, the entire team had a successful dribble count of seven. So Aaron Moy contributed more than 50% of our successful dribbles against Arsenal. He also had the most touches on the team in 70. Uh, this is a team that liked to pass around the back. We know this. We like to build up from the back. Aaron Moy had more touches than anybody else in the back line, comfortably. Uh, he also put in defensive work, two successful tackles and four clearances. Uh, he put in work. He was a hell of a player on Thursday night and well worth my man of the match by a long shot. 
Uh, other honorary mentions, Pascal Gross, uh, one tackle, one shot, 77% pass accuracy, and a whopping six key passes. Uh, people need to stop discounting how important Pascal Gross is. Uh, yes, sometimes it looks like he's had a slower game or he's been poor, um, and then you look at the stats and you realize that that ball, so you you see a goal and you go, oh, Trossard... Uh, Played the pass into Moy, who scored. What a what a game! Um, what a what a piece of play. But people forget that it was the ball, or not even forget. They just don't realize that it was the pass from Gross to Trossard, or the pass from Gross to Alzate, or the pass from Gross to someone else uh, that fleshes out the move. Um, he is he is really really impressive and continuing to be really really dangerous for us. Uh, David Proper um, had a whopping 89% pass accuracy. Also contributed with a shot on target, uh, which was an absolute blaster, by the way, um, and an interception and a clearance. Uh, that entire midfield put in work on Thursday, and it showed. Dale Stevens was also excellent behind them. Um, you know, I thought that the entire midfield were really the reason we won it. Um, Matty Ryan, again, excellent. Um, his distribution has really become a huge part of his game for us. It was something that a lot of people were unsure if Matt Ryan could uh, contribute in that way when we know that Graham Potter wants his goalkeeper to be able to play out from the back. Um, well, out of 15 long balls that uh, Matt Ryan played, 10 of them were accurate and found their target. That's a massive improvement. Uh, from last season and that's impressive for any goalkeeper uh, that's not far off the kind of accuracy that we're seeing from uh, Edison and Allison, two of the best playmakers in the entire world as goalkeepers so um, his ability to break the press when they press and press and he is able to play that long ball out into uh, the middle third or just past our final third um, to a player a fullback a midfielder is incredibly incredibly good um and he has been again a couple of excellent saves again uh, i think it was martinelli uh i think had a header that was incredibly well saved uh i thought the entire the entire performance from matt ryan he's he's saving his points um incredible and yeah like i said moy my man of the match by an absolute long shot um i just think that he came in and did an excellent job on this arsenal side that were there to be taken care of and they were so <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, before we move on to the Wolves summary, um, because we, uh, you know, this is about three o'clock on a Sunday for me. We've not long finished playing uh, and it's tough to be able to get everything together. So we have a couple of stories from the week to go through anyway that are, of course, Albion based. Um, but they are stories that are pretty important for us, actually. Um, so the February list of fixtures. So they obviously pick who's going to be televised and when uh, for February has been put back due to Champions League and Europa League bullshit. Um, so people who are eagerly awaiting to see what's going to happen there will not know until a little bit later on. Uh, FA Cup. We have drew Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup third round draw at home. Uh, this will take place on Saturday, the 4th of January. Kick off at 3.01 p.m. feel like that's a typo, but I had to put it in there. Um... So, big game for us. Uh, very, very winnable. Uh, £15 if you buy it at, in advance. Under 21s and over 65s a tenner. Under 18s a fiver. Um, you know, I think that's an excellent price point for the, for the Albion to be putting stuff out there. Uh, and I, I, 
I feel like it's a great reason for people to come in and try different stands um, and do different things that they've not done before. Uh, it's a it's a good timing to do it. And of course, it's a Saturday three o'clock kickoff. So I feel like, why wouldn't you? Um, not only those two, uh, but Amazon Prime. So Amazon Prime this week, as all my uh, English listeners know, uh, Amazon Prime... Um, aired all of the Thursday games and Wednesday games, I believe. Now, if it was this weekend as well, you'll have to correct me, but I don't think it was. I think it was just the midweek games. Um, and I know that for the week of Christmas, they're doing something similar. So I would love to know what people uh, who took advantage of the Prime thing felt uh, watching a game like that uh, in the way that they did, because it's not, it's not something that often happens when you have all the games televised at the same time. Um, for us American listeners, uh, you will know that that's something we live and die by over here. It's it's incredibly... We're incredibly lucky uh, in the US to be able to have the ability to watch every single game live um, on a stream, you know, for $60 a year. Uh, but fans back home don't get that so i would love to know what your thoughts and feelings are on amazon prime week um send me some voice clips send me some emails texts whatever uh, i would love to cover that just next week to see what everybody's thinking and feeling about the amazon prime deal um and where do you think that tv deals go forward from now on you know do you think that that's 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 the magic they've found it they've found the right recipe and that's something they should do going forward um they should just amazon should just buy the entire rights do you prefer the sky bt deal that you currently have uh you tell me i'd love to hear your thoughts um because for us over here in the us we obviously have it uh incredibly lucky so final story of the week because uh, we're doing like a very condensed top five stories i guess um is that Albion announced their finances for the 18-19 season. Um, we made our first loss in the Premier League, £21.2 million pound loss, uh, a swing from £11.3 million pound in profit, of course. Uh, Albion say the change can be attributed to three main areas, right? And obviously it makes sense. Firstly, an increase in player wages. Fine. Not sure that's going to contribute too much to a profit loss, uh, simply because most teams in the Premier League uh, are always raising wages. Um, second player amortization, amortization, whatever. That's a terrible, terrible pronunciation. I apologize. Uh, basically, transfer fees. Um, we did spend a fair bit of money this summer. Trossard, Mopai, Webster, and that's not including a couple of the others that we got in. Whether we paid a fee for Moy or not, who knows? Um, and thirdly, which I think is really the key one here, uh, the additional cost of the change in the management team at the end of the season. So we did let go of Chris Hutton's entire management team. Um, that can't be cheap. And we also got in Potter and his entire management team. Again, something that is not cheap to do. Um, and not only that, but we must have arranged some kind of fee with Swansea to get Potter because they didn't want him to go. So I think that probably is the biggest change um, and the biggest standout as to why we didn't make anywhere near a profit this summer. Um, and, you know, I'm not particularly surprised. Um, you know, Bloom is not an idiot. Bloom is a very clever man. He's making the decision that he wants to make. Uh, and, you know, I think that we're in a position to continue to start turning a profit week, uh, month in, month out, and year in, year out. 
Uh, I think they made this decision early to crack on and get rid of the old management and get in a team that they like. We talked about that New Year new deal for him, uh, Phil Potter and his entire team. We then talked about, you know, Dan Ashworth also has a huge place uh, as a technical director. I'm sure that wasn't cheap either, given how his prestige, you know, his tenure and pedigree with England in general. Um, I think that we uh, we we shouldn't be too surprised, honestly. And I thought uh, I thought that could be a lot worse. Um, so 21.2 million pound loss, not bad at all. That's the price of one Ali Reza Yahanbaksh almost. Speaking of him, looks like he might be going out on loan uh, in January. That broke today, um, but we're not here to talk about that. That can be covered over Christmas. So, final section of the day, uh, and that is Wolverhampton Wanderers. So, Wolves uh, unbeaten in 10 Premier League games coming into this. Uh, they went from relegation fodder with Europa League overwhelming them to top five uh the team that made Europe last season a great squad. Uh, and we went toe-to-toe with them at our own place. Uh, we lined up with a 4-3-3. Um, we had Burn again at left-back, Alzate at right-back. Not much change from the week, uh, from the midweek. We just had Connolly out and Trossard in. So Connolly seems to have been hurt. Uh, a lot of people said that he looked like he'd pulled up and was not happy with something on the sidelines on Thursday. So Trossard came in for... Aaron Connolly, um, other than that, as you were. Uh, on the other side, Wolves played their classic three at the back with Wimbacks, Doherty and Johnny. Um, they obviously had Adama Traore, Jimenez and Jota, Hotter up front, uh, and Neves and Martinho in the middle. Um, they they really are a good side, aren't they, on paper? Um, but the stats, uh, yeah, we, we pretty much went exactly toe-to-toe for them, uh, with them. Uh, and this is one of the best teams in the league outside of the classic top six. So I think we have every reason to be cheerful. Um, we ended the day 61.7% possession for the Albion. Uh, 81% pass percentage uh, success rate compared to their 72. I think it's worth noting that uh, a lot of those passes were around our back final third. Um, but still, you know, you'll take it, won't you? Um, it's better than... <laughs> 72% pass accuracy they had. Uh, they had 15 dribbles to our six. 17-16 uh, in aerials, one so really tight there. Um, we had three corners to their four, and uh, they were dispossessed eight times to our six. This is just ridiculous. Um, Adama Traore dispossessed three times. Glenn Murray dispossessed once. And most worryingly here, uh, Dan Byrne and Adam Webster both dispossessed twice. This is something that we cannot keep up. Um, it was the best and the worst of Potter today. Uh, we did incredibly well, I thought, in pretty much every aspect um, of playing the ball forward. Uh, but at the back, we looked incredibly shaky. They were very, very good um, coming forward, especially at pace and on the counter-attack. And we looked like we... The playing narrow uh, that we did against Arsenal was not something that favoured us against Wolves today because they, they were able to overload, overload us uh, pretty consistently out wide. Um, and that was something Arsenal couldn't do because they're just not built that way. Um, so we really let ourselves down there. Um, and like I said, we, we passed a little bit too much, um, I feel, you know, in that defensive middle third. Uh, 316 of our passes, uh, 569 passes we made overall. 316 of them were in the middle third. 
uh, and 127 of them in the, in the defensive. You know, we, we really played it in the middle of the park, back and forth constantly. Um, we played a lot of left-to-right football. Um, a well over 50% of our passes were left or right as opposed to forward or backward. Um, you know, I think that we we played a lot of possession football without really doing anything with it. Um, and we looked like we were prone to a counter-attack almost every time. Um, I feel like we can get a lot better at that. We have to. Um, and of course, there was a lot of just... 20 minutes ago, uh, giving plaudits to our midfield. Um, I thought they were incredibly poor today. They looked like they were really caught out an awful lot. Um, and they didn't look like a team or like a set of midfielders that were able to cope with being overloaded out wide constantly. Um, and that narrow formation really hurt us due to that. So shots on target, five to their four. Um, you know, it's it's something that we we went from having 20 shots at the Emirates to 13 shots today, um, and only a couple of them on target. It's it was very apparent that going forward, uh, that final pass really wasn't there at all. Um, onto the players though. So I don't feel like anybody really covered themselves in too much glory, barring the obvious. So we'll, we'll take a look at some stats that you maybe would not realise. Um, Stephen Alzate. So Steven Alzate uh, probably had one of the poorer games he's had at right back. He looked a little bit out of his depth out there. Um, he still managed to shot two key passes, um, an 84% pass accuracy. So, you know, that was the second highest pass accuracy on the board behind uh, Dale Stevens um, and Adam Webster, actually. So the third highest pass accuracy on the team. Um, and in terms of touches, he had the second most amount of touches on the team. So going forward, uh, Alzate was pretty good. Um, at the back, he looked pretty... Uh, pretty overloaded constantly um you felt a little bit bad for him he still did manage three tackles uh two interceptions um clearance um and he only committed one foul which is a which is a you know pretty solid given how much he was ripped apart on that side there on his own um speaking of somebody else who was ripped apart a little bit dale stevens uh, dale stevens grabbed himself an assist today can you believe it um yeah he grabbed himself an assist uh, and not only that, uh, but he got himself booked. So Dale Stevens will not be available for us uh, against Palace next Monday. Eesh. Be wondering what happens there. It's going to be very interesting to see how Potter lines up without Dale Stevens on his side. Because um, Dale really hasn't left it. So I'm intrigued to see where that goes. Especially with it being against Palace of all teams. Um, he still managed a shot and a key pass, of course, which was the assist. Had more touches of the ball than anybody else in 100 um, that's that's a lot of touches of the ball. Three tackles, three interceptions, a clearance, and a block shot. Uh, you know, I thought he did really well today, um, despite that yellow card that he got given. Um, he he did a job and did it well. Um, unfortunately, I don't think those in front of him did anywhere near as well. Uh, Aaron Moy, I thought was incredibly poor today. Uh, you know, he he had one shot. There's nothing else to note. No key passes. No decent dribbles. Uh, nothing nothing really of note. He was he was really poor. Um, only 59 touches compared to him ruling the roost last time. 70% pass accuracy. Um, day to forget for the Australian. Um, and Davy Proper was not much better either. Uh, he got one shot on target. Of course, got the goal. Um, I'm not going to discount that. That was a great goal. He came into the box late, just like he should be as the midfielder type player he is playing as. 84% um, pass accuracy, 79 touches. Uh, so well up there in terms of defensive touch, uh, 
well up there in terms of touches of the ball, um, but nothing really of note defensively, um, as opposed to the game he had against Arsenal, where he was very good defensively. Uh, no successful tackles, interceptions, clearances, block shots, nothing, um, but did commit two fouls um, and two of them in pretty dangerous areas. So really one to forget for him. Um, and, you know, I, I was a little bit disappointed that we went from playing in such spectacular fashion at the Emirates to so bang average um, at home. But the man that does stand out, so there is still one man that has to be talked about as my man of the match. Pretty clear for me, Neil Mopai. Um, he looked sublime today. Uh, five shots, three on target, 75% pass accuracy, two aerials won, uh, 32 touches of the ball. So he didn't have a lot of the ball, but what he did, he did well. And, of course, got himself a goal that was an absolute beauty. Uh, Rui Patricio probably could have done more with it if he knew that Mopai was going to have the balls to take the shot he did. But he didn't. So uh, it ended up being incredibly good from Neil Mopai. I thought he was really, really good today. He chased the ball down nonstop. He ran and ran and ran. Um, and then he came deep quite often and played the ball out wide every time. I thought he was really impressive. Uh comfortably my man of the match there is not anybody else who comes close um and i thought that i think we're starting to see the very best of neil mopai um and it's coming just in time in time for christmas uh because i thought he was phenomenal um i thought he was very good against arsenal and i think he's been doing the right things for a long time just hasn't been clicking for him uh, or just clicking as a front group of players, an offensive group of players. Um, but it seems to all be falling into place now. And that goal today was an absolute beauty. He could have had one or two others um, if he had moved a little bit quicker for, from Moy's shot. It could have been 3-1. Uh, and of course, he had that shot really well blocked early on uh, within like the first two minutes. So I thought he was really good today. Thought he was well worth the goal. Uh, and I think I think we're going to be looking at him in a couple of years' time as a bit of a cult hero um, and, you know, one of our better goal scorers we've bought in a long time. Uh, Leo Trossard, of course, also had a pretty good game, got himself an assist, two key passes. Uh, didn't really get himself involved in the game as much as someone like Aaron Connolly will, and I think we were... I think we were maybe missing that a little bit. Um, I'm starting to wonder if Trossard is going to be more of a luxury player uh, than a grafter um and i'm not sure how potter will react to that and i wonder if that's why he hasn't played as often as he maybe should have from his sub appearances somebody else who did make a sub appearance today uh ali reza yahambach uh rumor is that he's out on loan in january off to try and refine his form and boy does he need to um he came on uh, and had just a bloody horrible first touch didn't he um he just was not a good player uh, he got a hold of the ball a couple of times, almost immediately giving it away. Um, you know, he made one successful tackle, I think, and a pass accuracy of 70%. You know, seven of his 10 passes were, were accurate, and all seven of them were incredibly short. Uh, I thought he was really poor today, and it's a shame. Um, Glenn Murray didn't do anything to convince us that he should be regaining a starting spot, despite his uh, obvious legend status and obvious, uh, well, hero status for keeping us up almost two years in a row it does it does really seem like that time has passed uh he really didn't do anything of note either um but you know neil mopai is really the man to come out of this game with uh, with a lot of hope um and up next comes palace uh, a team that are actually doing pretty well you you wouldn't think about it because they're just kind of they're one of those teams that you never know what you're going to get 
Um, similarly to Bournemouth and Burnley, uh, teams like that, you just you don't know what they're going to produce. And, you know, they've been beaten. They had a rough couple of fixtures uh, recently too, just like us. Uh, they went on a five-game uh, losing streak. They lost to City. Uh, they drew with Arsenal. They lost to Leicester. They lost to Chelsea. They lost to Liverpool. Um, but they just won uh, two games on the bounce uh, away at Burnley, which is a horrible place to go, and then at home to Bournemouth um, with 10 men for 70 minutes. So you just never know. Uh, and then they go to Watford, a team that you would expect them to do pretty well against, and come away with a point, and we're lucky to get one. So uh, you just you just don't know what team's going to show up, and with a rivalry the way it is, of course, um, it's even harder to know. So the home record is pretty average. Uh, eight appearances at home so far, six goals, 12 shots per game. Um, they are used to conceding possession at home, only 44.1% on average. Uh, we obviously have a lot of players to look at, their goalkeeper, Hennessy, has been in great form this season, kept them in a couple of games. Uh, and of course, Wilfred Zaha um, is going to be their man to watch. Two man of the match awards, uh, an average of 1.7 shots per game, 80.5% shot accuracy, uh, pass accuracy rather. Um, two goals and assist, a couple of yellow cards. Um, Wilfred Zaha is going to be the man to watch, simple as that. Um, we need to be very careful of him. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see how we line up when we know that they have some incredibly talented fullbacks uh, in Van Aanholt. Um, and we obviously have Townsend and Zaha. And uh, we. it's going to be interesting to see how we line up. Because, um, you know, they've played a couple of formations this season, but primarily it's that 4-5-1. Um, and they like to overload out wide big time. Um, I can't call it. It's a horrible game. I hate them. I hate this away game more than anything else, um, because you just hate to see us lose to these assholes. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Jordan Ayew, four goals for the season, is their top goal scorer. Um, there's nothing much more to say about Palace. You know, we all know what they're about. We all know how they're going to do it. Um, we need to just go there and do our thing. Um, I think we're good enough to beat them, obviously. Uh, but I think that we need to just be careful of being caught on the counter by their fast wide men and do our best to uh, to cause some problems going forward. We'll see. But January is fast approaching. Christmas is fast approaching. These games are coming thick and fast. Uh, we are going to have very little room to warm up uh, and just carry on cracking. So Palace come next. Uh, and then, of course, Sheffield United at home, Tottenham away, Bournemouth at home, all in the space of a week, really, um, over the Christmas period. And then, of course, we have, with the new year, a couple of really tough games coming up after that. It will be Chelsea at home, uh, Everton away, and then a couple of really important ones after that coming into January, February. Uh, gets about as That's probably where we're going to decide just how safe we are. Um, January the 18th, Villa at home. Uh, January the uh, 21st, Bournemouth away. West Ham away, Watford at home, Sheffield United away, Palace at home. Uh, that's going to be massive for us. And, of course, those last couple of games um, will also be huge. Southampton away, uh, Newcastle at home, and Burnley away. It's about as important as it gets. It's a lot better than the last couple of years where it's been top two or three sides playing against us. So that is about everything from me this week. I rambled on a little bit at the end there. Apologies. Um, and I will see you all again next week. We will be unpacking Palace. Uh, and we will also be, me and Robin, uh, the the Where Are They Now team, will be getting together uh, to discuss 
the last decade under the Albion. So if you have any favorite moments or your favorite moments of the decade um, following the Albion, uh, please do let me know. I would love to hear your thoughts on where you've seen the greatest moments uh, or what you view as the most important moments for the Albion over the last 10 years. Uh, I will take emails. I will take voice clips. Uh, I will take anything. Um, because other than the Palace game, we'll be, we will be dedicating uh, the entire podcast next week outside of the game review to Albion 2010 to 2020 uh, and just how far we've come. Uh, so please do get your stuff into me. I would love to hear all your thoughts and feelings. Other than that, have a good week. See you next week. Going to be a weird weekend without no football until Monday night, but it is what it is. Be safe.